everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis, a foodie born and bred. My wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under twenty dollars. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway, and together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. It's nice to be back here live, as opposed to dead. And here we are. we got a great show this week. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that the uh, St. Regis, Washington, has its 2016 uh, International Culinary Series starting on the 27th. And a very famous Mexican chef, Margarita Carrillo, is coming in. And she'll be cooking, uh, I think, lunch and dinner uh, at the hotel for four days. And then they've got, they're doing Iceland and a bunch of other countries. And it's going to be a blast at the gorgeous St. Regis. So, speaking of Mexico... Cuba's in, too. Yeah, that has yeah. Well, one has nothing to do places. with the other. In fact, Cuba's way in. Like, everybody, our niece is there now with her boyfriend. I want to go. If you're not there, you're dying to go. It's mm-hmm. so cool. But if you can't go, we have our own little taste of Havana right here in D.C. with Colada Shop. Um, uh, Maru Valdez is in. Daniela Senor. Senor, am I doing it right? Yeah, that's correct. Bueno, um, <laughs> who is uh, a partner and chief of operations there. They're in with uh, taste and talk of what Havanans enjoy in the morning and night. And I'm looking at it, and it and looks, it looks good. pretty good. Yummy. <laughs> okay, so food waste is a huge buzz item right now uh, nationally. It's a huge conversation that the restaurant industry is having and uh, the farm industry is having, and it's really affecting everyone. And today in studio, we have with us Megan Staz, because it sounds like jazz. <laughs> she is with the Food Waste Reduction Alliance. You were supposed to say that. You I know, but... To, you were supposed to know that. <laughs> she's with the Food Waste Reduction Alliance, and so she's going to really tell us about the problem and what's going on there. And then also in, again, we're thrilled to have her back, is Catherine Miller, and she is with the Chef Action Network, which is now under the James Beard Foundation umbrella. She's been a busy girl. She is a busy chick, and she's going to tell us what they're doing to sort of remedy or hopefully remedy the situation. So we'll have a really interesting conversation later in the show. And back in studio, the annual Crafty Bastards Art and Crafts Fair is back. It's she the weekend. said bastards. I did. I can the, say that on air. Is that one of the seven words? No, it's not. No. Bastards, uh, so bastards, it's bastards. at Union Market this year, October 1st and 2nd. And uh, we have Mel Gold in with us to tell us what's going to be happening at the festival this year. She brought in a whole... Bags and bags of some of the wares. And also in is Marika, Mariko Iwata. Iwata. I, Iwata? Mm-hmm. Iwata. Yeah. Iwata. I said Iwata. We have a linguist here. Thank okay. You sorry much. about that. I'm very sorry about that. She has the most beautiful letterpress cards. We're going to find out about her work in just a little bit. Okay. And Don Ciccio e Fili is, uh, was founded by our friend Francesco Amadeo. Uh, his family was in the liqueur business in Italy for a couple of generations. About 300 years worth. And he brought it to D.C., and he now is making liqueurs right here in D.C. Um, and the company now, I mean, when we when he first had him on the show, he was just starting. Now you're in 25 states, something like that. And Jonathan Fasano is in to talk about what's going on with Don Chicho. And why don't we start with you, Jonathan? You guys, you're big. Yeah. Why don't we start with you? You're that? not big. You're <laughs> nice not and big. trim. You're, you're very thin. But Don Chicho, 
Does everybody call the the the, the company Don Ciccio and Figley? Yeah, we get a lot of variations. It's, What's the uh, matter? Don Ciccio, Don Ciccio. You know why? No parlo no italiano. No parlo italiano. No conosci. Yeah. All right. So what is Serenus? You have a cocktail lab you've created. What's that all about? Yeah. So from the great ma- uh, mind of Francesco Amadeo, we started a uh, cocktail lab called Bar Sirenes. And really, it's bottled cocktails um, currently. So we are working on creating, um, outfitting our space more for actually shaken and stirred cocktails later. But currently, we sell 200 milliliter, 350 milliliter, and uh, 750 you know, That's milliliter. how I felt when I met Nikki, shaken and stirred. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you can get I've any of those sizes that's okay. um, of a variety of cocktails. <laughs> and the cocktails are bottled and sealed, so you can take them home and mix them yourself, add a little citrus if you want. or you can But are they – they're – Prepared, right? Yeah, so you don't really, you can just pour it over ice yep, or like, exactly. would you put it in a shaker or no, you don't even need to? Nope, just kind of shake up the bottle a little bit because it might trouble. settle a touch, uh-huh. but um, just kind of mix it back up or you can hang out in our space as well. So our tasting room runs from 1 to 6 p.m. now. We've extended the hours. Okay, well, back up a little bit because we mm-hmm. know nothing about your tasting room. Okay. So, because that's new since uh, Francesca was in studio. So tell us okay. a little bit about that. Yeah, so our tasting room um, is located at 6031 Kansas Avenue Northwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly where our facility is as well. Um, that's so over you, near where Three Stars Brewing yes, is. Yes, it yep, is. Five, ten minute walk from Three Stars just before you get to Tacoma Park off mm-hmm. of Blair Road. So Blair in Kansas. Um, so yeah, 1 to 6 p.m. You can stop by. No reservation needed. It's free. Uh, you see how we make everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk, we hang out, and we drink. So are there tours? So officially, yes, we have tours now. Um, okay. Before, our tour would consist of just you coming into the space and looking at it because it was only 1,800 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a, a week and a half ago, we put a hole in the wall, and that hole kept getting bigger and bigger, and we started moving a bunch of our inventory into a new space. So cool. we've doubled our size, um, so given ourselves some breathing room, and mm-hmm. now you can actually take a tour into a barrel room and see our inventory. Cool. Excellent. All right, yeah. what are you pouring first? So first we have a Rye Bandit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rye Bandit is our Luna Amara Bitter, so it's an aperitivo with our Amaro de la Sirene, which is a classic Amaro. It's our flagship Amaro. And okay. then a Rye from Catoctin Creek. Cool. Good morning. We'll talk about it when you come back. Now I'm going to speak a little Spanish. Bienvenido a todos. Did I do it right? I don't speak Spanish at all. Muy bien. Bueno. Okay. So, so Daniela, let's start talking about colada. And what is colada? Sure. So colada, we'd like to call a social outpost. It's really a Cuban cafe and bar. Uh, So we serve a little bit of everything. So we actually have... Cuban coffee, uh, our style coffee, which um, our partners at Compass Coffee roast for us. It's a mm-hmm. signature blend that we have called Havana Blend. Then we also have a variety of pastries. Which I see here. These are definitely not paleo. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. But they're delicious, though. Well, so, so wait, I want to back up a little sure. bit. So you have your coffee roasted here. Yes. But you have it done to a certain specification? Correct. So okay. actually, the, um, Harrison, one of the owners of Compass, is actually half Cuban. So mm-hmm. he understood very well what we needed from the roast. So we traveled a bunch to Cuba while we were doing research and development for Colada Shop, but unfortunately, still, you know, exporting or actually importing coffee mm-hmm. into the U.S. is not possible from Cuba. So we worked with what we have and made sure that we were able to get a product that was as close as possible and really achieve 
that richness and you know cocoa tobacco flavor that right because the coffee there is also thicker isn't it exactly so how do you create that kind of coffee here so there is a variety of things that has to do a lot with the grind of the coffee okay and also are thicker or thinner thinner so it's, it's a thinner ground. So basically, the thinner the grind, the less water can pass through. Mm-hmm. So you achieve, you know, a more short, like reduced coffee. So it's a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So similar to ristretto, you were talking in Italian yeah. earlier. So it's a, kind of like a ristretto, but the the blend but and the roast. But not like Turkish coffee, which has the, the basically no. coffee mud at the bottom. Yeah, so not yeah. at all. No. Okay. So this is very silky. Has a lot of like co- cocoa, tobacco flavors. Nice. But now you serve it in the shop. You can buy it to share. Yes. So is that typical in Cuba? Correct. So okay. there is that coffee. That's where the name Colada Shop comes from. It's a colada. It's about four to five ounces of espresso that we mix with whipped sugar. Mm-hmm. So uh, we whip espresso and sugar. It becomes kind of like a marshmallowy consistency. And that's how we actually sweeten our drinks. And you can select while you're at the shop how sweet you want it. So we have Miami sweet, half sweet, or no sugar if you don't want any sugar. And then those are served with demitasse cups and mm-hmm. meant to be shared. We fell in love with the idea of just sharing your coffee. Since here, a lot of it is like my coffee with my name mm-hmm. on it. And we're like, okay, we want to share with our friends, you know, bring that community, right, bring your people like together. We're not saying where you go to sort of do that. I understand where you're going. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little about location because right now you're in Sterling. That's correct. And I know where Sterling is because my office is in Annadale, but for a lot of people in D.C., Sterling is Mars, but <laughs> you're opening up at 14th and T in just correct. two months, right? That is correct. So we're opening very soon, uh, construction starting. Uh, so basically, we're very, very excited to open the space in D.C. and share with all of you, but... Those of you who have a car, it's a nice ride out. You know, we have no, live music. <laughs> we have live music it's, on Mondays and Thursdays. It's so, for yeah. Northern Virginians. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, but actually, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from where I am. Talk about, because these pastries are gorgeous. Everything's made on site? Everything's made on site. So we have our pastries, our variety of sandwiches, like our pork we roast in-house for about eight to nine hours, depending on the size. So everything, our chef, Mario Monti. Uh, who's mm-hmm. half Cuban and from Miami, uh, does a phenomenal job. Uh, him and I actually went to culinary school together a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's doing an amazing job. And you, beautiful. Thank you. I think we should try. Absolutely. Okay, so what, tell us what you brought in. So I brought uh, guava and cheese pastelitos. Mm-hmm. These are the picadillo pastelitos and then sweet cream cheese pastelitos. No, wait, what's a picadillo? Picadillo is basically... <laughs> Uh, ground beef that's co- uh, cooked with sofrito. So sofrito is the base of Cuban uh, cooking, which is a variety of peppers, so like red, green, and yellow bell peppers, mm-hmm. uh, tomatoes, and mm-hmm. onions. And those are uh, cooked actually very slowly uh, for a number of hours and then reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we actually also have a Cuban pepper that they grow for us in Miami. So okay. I should say bringing- adios. The paleo for today. Look at this is gorgeous. He says that every week. Just yeah. Right and probably last night, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you should also try, this is one of our, mes- I couldn't, you know, I don't have my espresso machine here, but mm-hmm. I did bring one of our mm-hmm. mezclas de café, which this one's called El Juanito, mm-hmm. and is a tamarind lime cold brew which are with our Havana blend. Uh, oh, it's delicious. Oh, that is delicious. Thank you. And then it actually is topped with a little bit of tonic water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're making your own in-house sodas? Which yeah, so we, not a soda, I'm sorry, but they're bottled. They look like sodas. So, so. we have um, actually uh, bottled cocktails. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what we bottled. And then we have two, like, coffee 
Um, they're not really cocktails, or I would say non-alcoholic cocktails. We right. call them mezclas de café. Mm -hmm. And then we also have um, piña colada and mojitos that we have in a, a granita. So they're frozen. That you can either uh, get. But so what does colada mean? Colada the is the coffee. So that's, that's the coffee. The, the coffee to be so shared. So piña colada. So piña colada has nothing that's completely different. They just they stole the word. Basically, it, and it, and it's okay, you know. We that's why we also have piña colada on our menu because we figured, you know, there was a you already got it. Yeah, people, yeah Jonathan so. Fazano was over there writing down colada. Make <laughs> that Italian in a minute. <laughs> no, but basically, yeah, it's a coffee to be shared. That's where uh, we got the name from for the shop, and got then. It. So again, we have the sandwiches, we have the pastries, we have cocktails, we have wine, we have beer. Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit of everything. We just want you to hang out there all day and just have a good time. How big is the space? So right now we actually, uh, it's the one in Sterling has a quite a bit of outdoor space. So we mm -hmm. have, a, have about 75 seats outside and mm -hmm. about 30 inside. Um, and the one in D.C., it's going to be roughly about 30 seats. Okay. Set out. The location oh, cool. in D.C. is perfect. Right. We have to take a quick break. Absolutely. And I have to finish chewing. But um, <laughs> when we get back, we're going to find out just a little bit more of what you can expect when they come to D.C. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. This segment of Foodie and the Beast is sponsored by Black Restaurant Group. Come to Blackjack the second Sunday of the month for Jock Jams, a high-octane pop-up brunch with Cotton and Reed's Lucas Smith, and bartender Trevor Fry. Federal News Radio's Jason Miller is on Twitter. Follow him at jmillerwfed for the latest IT and federal management news at jmillerwfed. This is John Gilroy. My show, Federal Tech Talk, answers the question, how does technology make life easier for the federal audience? I've spent years interviewing federal CIOs, tech leaders, and big company CTOs. What they tell me is compelling, provocative, and always relevant to the federal government and contractor. Check it out Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 1 on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, or download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Federal Tech Talk. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is Roger Waldron, president of the Coalition for Government Procurement and host of Off the Shelf. My show brings a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Each week, I talk to experts from inside and outside government about the latest federal compliance and policy information for government contractors. Join me every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 11 a.m. for Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m. or download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Off the Shelf. Back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're wrapping up with Daniela and Maru about uh, uh, Colada Shop, which is where exactly in Sterling? What's your address? It's 21430 at Plaza and Sterling, Virginia. It's in a new complex called Cascades Overlook. Oh, that sounds so... That, I know where that is, actually. Yeah. I do know where that is. Is that where the Chewies is? Yes. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but towards the right. You know we're on air on. and we can't hear you because you're not in front of a mic when you ask that's that question, right, right that's Melville? That's where it is. <laughs> and then 14th and T opens up, and I assume the build out is underway now. It's underway. That's so going to be great. It'll be opening soon, so we're right. super excited. And it'll so, be really the same concept. It's 
really the same concept. Obviously, a little bit smaller in D.C. We don't have the privileges the of Sterling, Virginia, yeah. but uh, it's still plenty of space and outdoor seating as well. So and are you open for breakfast, lunch? Like, when are you open? Yeah, so... Um, in Sterling right currently, and we're about to extend our hours, we're opening uh, 9 to 9 on weekdays and mm-hmm. then until on, on, 10 on the weekends and then just a little bit shorter till 7 on Sundays. Wow. But we'll be opening probably around 7.30 a.m. Uh, for, Great. you know, the go coffee go crowd in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Great. Cool. Jonathan, let's go back to you. This is delicious. Thank you very much. So um, what are we drinking? So this is a rye bandit, uh, and it consists of uh, Catoctin Creek rye. Yep. So mm-hmm. we kind of titled it ourselves, and then our one of our aperitivos. So that's some of the bitterness and the floral components you get of it, and then our flagship amaro. Traditionally, were when the, Ita- the were the Italian liqueur makers blending with other stuff too? I mean, or is this a, a new thing that people are doing? Um, it's more, yeah, kind of new age. Um, Really, to showcase these products, people are, are using them almost as modifiers, so mixers to enhance the flavor of your cocktail, mm-hmm. add some body, add some uh, spice, some bitterness. So we love bitter uh, at Don Chicho, so we we kind of give it a, a strong punch with the bitter on all of our products. I'm bitter. Yeah. He <laughs> is. About a lot of He's things. not drinking. Bitter and sweet, I hope. All right. So no, I'm the sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bitter. Oh, no question about it. Everyone knows that. You got to have balance. All right. Mm-hmm. So While about. you're pouring the next drink, we're going to talk to Catherine and Megan about a, a pretty serious subject. Um, about 40 million Americans go to bed hungry every night, including 16, 17 million kids. And it is estimated that about 40% of the food we produce in this country goes into the dumper. And in the past, we've had people on. We had a guy that uh, did a documentary about dumpster diving and how he could live off the dumpster behind Whole Foods. It was really cool. It's cool and not cool. Don't do that. And and Robert Ager is an old friend of ours, just old friend, who started DC Central Kitchen. And there they were taking, you know, unused, uneaten food uh, out of restaurants and uh, serving it to cooking, you know, on serving people on the streets. But you guys, I mean, you're. Your mission is really to end that and to educate, particularly in the in the case of Catherine, to educate chefs on, I, I don't even know what you would call it, like food smarts, really, and how to, not only how to cook smarter, am I right, but also how to make sure that unused food doesn't just get thrown away. That, and the fact that we could feed everybody in this country, okay, we you don't. You have not let these people talk Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm setting it up. So these okay, guys are here to it. solve that. Okay. So who wants to talk first? Okay, well, let's talk about the problem, Megan. Sure. So why don't you lay out the problem for us? Yeah, so I actually think you did a really good job. I think I did a great job. You did a great job. My wife wasn't listening. That's that problem. But, yeah, so the problem is big, right? Mm -hmm. So we're throwing away about 30 to 40% of the amount of food that's grown in the United States. And that's true all around the world. And it's really a problem for three distinct reasons. So it's environmental, social, and business. So when Mm -hmm. we waste food, we're wasting all the natural resources that went into growing that food, transporting that food, et cetera. And food waste in a landfill creates methane gas, which mm-hmm. is a 20 times more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So from an environmental standpoint, we shouldn't be wasting food. Then there's the social component that you just talked about, right? One in five Americans struggles with hunger. And then finally, from a business case, if you're paying for ingredients and then you're throwing, then throwing them away, whether you're a household or a you know major food brand, that's an inefficiency. Mm-hmm. And so that's why... Um, the restaurant sector, the food manufacturing sector, and the retail sector got together to create what's called the Food Waste Reduction Alliance, okay. which is a, a group of about 30 companies that are helping to um, drive all those numbers down and, and increase more food. And how donation. do you go about doing that? I mean, first of all, how, 
how much research do you all have to do to compile the numbers? So there's a lot of research out there from really, really great groups. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's really a challenge is that food waste is very difficult to measure, right? So even think about just in your own I'm just home, thinking about that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like I'm thinking about it in my house. Right. Like I, there is so much that either doesn't get eaten mm-hmm. or we wind up composting, but right. or not. And you know what I mean? It's, it is overwhelming. That's right. So it's really hard to measure the exact amount of food waste that's that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Food Waste Reduction Alliance has come up with some tools and some surveys for food companies to measure mm-hmm. their food waste. And we're working to raise awareness that way. We also share best practices. We're looking at what are some of the public policies that we can um, help influence or shape to make sure there are more solutions. And that's really where the work that Catherine and her group are are doing is really coming into play. Well, making before a big we difference. get to chefs, let's talk about, because you're with the Grocery Manufacturers Association. So if I was a craven uh, conspiracy, you know, conspiracy theorist, I'd say, well, they don't care if food's wasted because the more food that goes out the back, the more has to come in the front of Safeway or Giant or wherever else to fill the shelves. So they make more money. So why are they interested in this? So it's really because of that perfect triple bottom line issue that I talked about before, right? Mm -hmm. It's environmental, social, and business. And so regardless of whether you're a retail grocery store, a major food brand, or a restaurant, you know, you don't, you want to be reducing your environmental footprint, helping those in need, and reducing costs. And and reducing food waste helps saves money. Well, so let's just talk about grocery stores for Mm -hmm. a moment, because he did talk about that dumpster dive movie, and it showed all this food that was perfectly fine just because it was either past the date or an egg yeah, was they, broken like right. whole things um what are they called i can't think today like a, a dozen, dozen eggs thank you a dozen Down eggs to 11. W- would be missing one egg and they would just throw it away mm-hmm. so how what are you doing to assist with that right so there's a lot of things that are happening that are really phenomenal in back of house and back of store mm-hmm. so um one is getting much stronger food donation practices in place mm-hmm. um you know the thing about dumpsters is you know while that food may look perfectly good, you as the consumer, you don't know yeah. why it's there, right? right. There's right. No, no, no. I'm not suggesting that people should go dumpster yes, diving. Don't, don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. But <laughs> my point is, is that the food is winding up there. Yes, and it is. It shouldn't be. That's right. That's right. And so what a lot of these businesses are facing is a space constraint and a time constraint, mm-hmm. right? So at the end of the day, you've got a food product that you want to donate, but the the food kitchen is closed, right? The The food bank is closed. And so how do you develop these really strong partnerships with donation agencies to come after hours or um, help increase the amount of refrigerated space at those food banks. Because mm-hmm. if they're out of coolers, you know, that that food safety um, concern Good becomes. Well, so has the big. percentage of food waste gone down at all from all this activity? So one of the major things that we're looking at as success is really raising awareness. Mm-hmm. Right. And trying to get systems in place to increase donation and to help businesses of all kinds measure food waste. Right. Okay. Um, and so that, so I think hey, there's us, some food here in yeah, the studio. Don't waste it. Don't Nobody waste can it. waste That's this food. Right. Everybody better dig yeah. in. That's right. <laughs> um, so I think we are seeing a really great trend in raising awareness around this. Mm-hmm. And once um, those measurement systems are put into place, you automatically see really great reductions. Well, right. that sort of takes us to Catherine. Catherine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when we first met you, you started the Chef's Action Network. And we were, uh, honestly, when you came on the show, I kept saying to Nikki, I'm not sure exactly what their their <laughs> mission is and you you clarified it at that point but now I don't know it's how evolved, you did it baby right? you're going to start negotiating <laughs> for us you're not you're now part of the James Beard Foundation and you're working with chefs 
to do what? Yeah, so we became part of the James Beard Foundation in April of this year after um, three and a half years being active with 140 or so chefs around the country to become more involved in public policy and to use their voices related to issues that they care about. And the Beard Foundation has taken on a whole new set of activities called the Impact Programs, uh, which includes our conference, which includes issue salons, um, industry salons, and our signature chefs boot camps for policy and change, and the work of the Chef Action Network, sort of going to Capitol Hill, going to state capitals to really talk about issues. And food waste became one of those for us, um, one inspired by chefs who were calling and saying, how do I do this, right? right? I have leftover food in my restaurant. How do I donate it? No one will take it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started doing the research, right? When and creating the relationships. Yeah, and what tools were out there, what obstacles were in their way, right? What they could support and how they could use their voice. And so over the last few months, we've become pretty heavy partners in a campaign by NRDC, the Natural Resources Defense Council, um, about ending waste. And so that's public awareness about mm-hmm. what you buy and what you can do with it. So recipe creation, how to purchase really with purpose about what you're um, taking home and so that you're making meal plans throughout the week, right? Well, so plus that- they've all, I mean, it's been a while, that snout to tail movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not, you know, we, so the snout to tail, the farm to table, but what we were finding was even some of the most um, informed chefs, but also some of the most active chefs didn't know what to do, right? Mm -hmm. And there are three, you know, uh, Megan laid out the sort of three reasons why, and there are three sort of solutions to that, right? There's Mm -hmm. preventing stuff from being wasted in the first place, right? So reclaiming it or refinding that value in food. There's the donation piece, so helping food unused food get to places where it can feed people. Mm-hmm. And then there is the recycling, right, or the composting. And in many jurisdictions, D.C. and Maryland and Virginia are some of them. Some of them we don't have regu- real compost facilities, right? So mm-hmm. you're composting in your house, and maybe you're going to your neighborhood where you're locking up well, your we compost. Have a com- well, so we have the compost cab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we compost, and they come and pick it up. The compost yep. crew? Is that what's uh, it called? Compost cab. Compost, compost cab. cab. Right. Yeah, and they come and they pick it up. And, I mean, we compost almost everything we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What? Well, I got a question because there are other groups. There's groups like Share Our Strength that are committed to ending childhood hunger. Childhood yep. hunger. Are you guys, are they part of your deal and are you coordinating with them? Because their chefs are all hip to this now and they, you know. The most amazing thing about this is it's really over the last year and a half, there have been people working on food waste for a decade, yeah. right, who are sort of like, oh, great, thanks for coming to our party, right? Yeah. Um, I, but honestly, when you say that, that's almost sad that, yeah. like, it's only been a decade. Like, people mm-hmm. are just waking up to yeah. this, really. People are really just waking up to it and really only in the last, say, year, two years mm-hmm. of really consumer awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, is just... It's fascinating, but we just don't, there's not necessarily always those structures or that education in place. And those, so that's where chef voices come in, right? Well, so let's talk about these boot camps that you're doing mm-hmm. because you're bringing chefs together. I mean, you're traveling like crazy, but <laughs> ha- tell me what's the point of the boot camp and why do you take them to different places? Yeah, so the Chef Boots Camp, Chef's Boot Camp for Policy and Change is a program we've been doing since 2012 um, mm-hmm. under the James Beard Foundation umbrella. It was originally intended to capture the voices of chefs as the new rock stars, right? Like chefs have and restaurants have hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of Twitter followers, Instagram, right? People want them on their shows, right? That voice. On their cruises. On their cruises, (laughs) right? Subtle plug. (laughs) Subtle plug for the D.C. Celebrity Chef uh, Tour, Um, right? And so 
we really recognize that power of them as cultural leaders. Mm -hmm. And then over the time, we've really learned about them as business leaders, right? They are employers and they own multiple spaces, right? You're going to um, Sterling and now coming into D.C., right? right? <laughs> we have places all over the city, right? These are folks whose voices are really incredibly valuable. And so we take them. Um, it's a two times a year program. We, there's an application process. We have 800 or so applicants on the waiting list to get into this program. Wow. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. And we use an issue. And so this year we've been using food waste mm -hmm. to frame an issue and talk about what chefs can do in their table, on their tables, in their communities, and as a policy perspective. And so basic advocacy training, you know, how to talk to a member of Congress when they come into their restaurant, mm -hmm. right, what their platform is, how to talk to folks, how to tweet effectively, how to share things via Instagram, mm -hmm. and really raise awareness of these issues and then also, and we take them all over the country to working farms and working agricultural institute, institutions so that we can do that whole thing about here's how your food is grown, here's how your animals are um, taken along the process, here's how you can change your own practices, whether mm -hmm. it's your sourcing. And it really does play into food waste. We've just were coming from Shelburne Farm in Vermont and they have a whole composting program. And the chefs were like, oh, wait, I want one of those. Right. How do I get that? How do I make that happen? How do right, I make we that have happen? to take a quick break, yeah. and we're going to continue this conversation. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. Did you know babies receive vaccinations that protect them from 14 diseases before they're even two years old? Adults, ask your health care provider about your vaccination needs and record. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says older adults need vaccinations to prevent flu, pneumonia, Tdap, hepatitis B, and shingles. Tdap, a combination of vaccine of tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, should be given to pregnant women during the third trimester to protect babies from whooping cough. Learn more at cdc.gov vaccines. If you've ever worked for a large company that provides services to a customer, at some point you may have said, Huh, I think I might be able to do this better on my own. Well, this is a show for people who actually take the step off the ledge and fend for themselves in the cutthroat world that is government contracting. I'm Alan Scott of Columbia Technology Partners and host Ready to Prime. Part information, part inspiration, and all small business. Heard the last Tuesday of every month on Federal News Radio 1500 AM or on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Ready to Prime. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. I'm Aileen Black. And I'm Gigi Shum. Together, we host Women of Washington. You'll hear the inspiring and amazing stories of women who have paved their own path to success and achieved incredible milestones in their careers. Some have leaned in. Others took an unconventional approach. All have made an impact on the business landscape of Washington, D.C. and beyond. Tune in Wednesday afternoons at 1 for Women of Washington, Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Women of Washington. Hey, you're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Catherine Miller and Megan Staz about, uh, basically about how we can end hunger in America by just not wasting all the food that we produce, which is really kooky when you think about mm -hmm. it. I mean, particularly with climate change coming, we better figure out how to feed everybody. All right, so um, how many chefs are involved in the 
in the network. Yeah, there are 140 plus chefs in the network that are all graduates of the James Beard uh, Chefs Boot Camps for Policy and Change and our regional training programs. Um, we have six here in D.C., so Amy Brandwine from Centralina mm-hmm. and Cajal Armstrong from Restaurant Eve. and Never heard of him. Uh, Victor Albisu <laughs> from Del Campo right. and Mike Isabella Who? and <laughs> Scott Druno, one of our favorites. All right, but how many chefs do you estimate there are in America? Cooks not, and chefs. About 9,000, I think, right. was the last count. Actually, that sounds low sounds when you think yeah. about every little coffee shop and everything else. Every little, yeah. So how do you get the message out to these people? I mean, how do you... Engaged well, there are, she's them. got 800 people on a waiting list. I've got 800 no, 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 no. no. I get no, that. I get that. But I'm saying, is, I'm saying, you've got the top of the pyramid. When you talk about Mike Isabella and and, and Vic Scott. and and Scott, you've got the creme de la creme. <laughs> so how do you get the message out to the guy that's running a coffee shop in, you know, in Annandale, Virginia? who's throwing a bunch of food out every day. How does that happen? Yeah, so we are doing a number of things, uh, sort of chef-to-chef communication, so really engaging, this, you know, Amy and Scott and chefs all over the country, you know, Murad Lalu in San Francisco and Rick Bayless in Chicago, um, Stephen Satterfield in Atlanta to host things in their own areas mm-hmm. in cooperation with organizations. You asked earlier about whether all these organizations are working together, and the really exciting thing is we are now, right? So Because chef- that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you all have different causes, but... There's, like, they have needs. Like, yeah. Share Strength is a great example, or DC Central Kitchen, mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like, they they all have different needs, but you're trying to get the food into yeah, somebody think, else's hands. You know, as Megan said, right, that triple bottom line about the environmental impacts, the social impacts in the business, that really aligns with helping um, coordinate those needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Megan might want to talk about the, her work with ReFed, this ginormous coalition I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, ReFed is a is a really great um, organization that's funded um, by the Jesse and Betsy Fink Foundation. And it really mm-hmm. brings together a big group of stakeholders. So not just food businesses, but also NGOs and other foundations um, that have that have looked looking at what can we do right now mm-hmm. to reduce food waste in the United States. And they put out a great report that gave a really solid path forward to what we can do now that will reduce food waste by by 20 percent. So what is it? So it starts. What can we do? <laughs> well, it, it starts. There's a lot to do in households. So um, we know that actually households are are the single largest contributor of food waste to landfill. Yeah, Why are you Nikki. Looking at me? No, no, it's all right. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. Food, right? does it. Right. Eat the food you buy. Right. right. And and you know I think there's there's really great tools out there to do that. Um, one another solution is around streamlining date labels. So Best Buy and Sell Buy those. Those labels that are on food products are so confused. People are really confused. Well, they've simplified that too. Not but, yet. No. no. But the, the, so the we're law working went into on effect, it. And it's going to. There was a law proposed um, to streamline them, um, but there's actually a really uh, a voluntary initiative going on. That's right. That's the nutrition facts panel. So that that did happen. Those changes were made there. But um, the manufacturing sector, the food brands, and the retail sector have gotten together. And we are working to come up with a voluntary national standard to streamline date labeling to help reduce consumer confusion there. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, then, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and then the last one really is around infrastructure development, right? So how do we get more composting facilities? How do we turn food waste into energy? You know, what are what are the tools that we need on the ground? Well, I assume a lot of it is education for mm-hmm. the public, and mm-hmm. that comes from the chefs. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you're engaged with Mike Isabella and Scott Reno and Vic Albisu and people and, you know, nationally very high-end chefs, I guess you would hope that they're communicating it with their diners. Just like they put a product on the plate and then you want to go to the grocery store and buy it, 
it's really the same thing. If they're letting everybody know that this is a priority to them mm-hmm. and what they're doing in their own restaurants, they have to be able to share it with their diners because mm-hmm. it, it's that's the way it's got to go into publish effect. publish a bunch of table tents and let them put them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a fine line, right? Because diners go out to have fun, mm-hmm. right? You go out to have a good meal. And so there is a fair bit of um, re-education for consumers, right? right? About the portion size, mm-hmm. right? And so going away from, you know, sort of all you eat can eat buffets and that has to be beautiful, right? Or even, you know, Gino- you know, giant, giant portions on plates, like to satisfy a sort of. Consumerism. Then you got the problem of the diner feeling. Well, if I'm paying thirty five dollars for this entree, I better get some food. So. I better get something for it, right? That's where the cheap part comes in in my life. <laughs> All right, so very quickly, will you send the link to that article, to that report, to Absolutely. Nikki, so she can post it on the Please. list yep. and tell us where we can find out more information about what you guys are doing. You can visit the James Beard Foundation website under the Impact Programs label and find out all sorts of information or follow the hashtag related to food waste of JBF and waste. And do you also help those chefs figure out, like, within their restaurants, like Scott, for example, like what he can do? Yeah, so we're doing a just really quickly, the National Restaurant Association has a great toolkit for chefs. Um, The Beard Foundation is doing some chef-to-chef education so we can talk about literally, like, how they weigh their waste, how they um, go through their garbage, how they educate both of their front-of-the-house and back-of-the-house staff Mm -hmm. to waste less and how they um, train their chefs. So there's a lot of that going on, too. Great. You guys are great. Yeah, really terrific. Thank you. You make me feel like I'm useless out there in the world. (laughs) Um, Okay, so now we're going to go to Arts and Crafts. Crafty Bastards is a great Arts and Crafts fair. It's in its 13th year, right? Mel Gold and Mariko here. Somebody find a microphone. Yes. So let's just start from the start, because we were going to Crafty Bastards when it was over in Adams Morgan, and now it's too big for that. Right. So what's the history and the mission, real quick? So... Crafty Bastards has been around for about 13 years. That's what I just said. Yes. Are you repeating me? Uh, I am. Okay. Um, they, the Washington City Paper um, started it as a neighborhood thing um, to help promote the alternative craft movement and the creatives but Ergo, in the city. But the use of the word bastards, if the post had started, it would have been crafty artisans and right. you know, woodworkers. Right. Um, you know, it's definitely not your grandmother's, or, you know, it's not like the... The doilies right, and the cats right, right, right. and the cross stitches. I mean, we definitely do have some cross stitching, but yeah, because I was going to say read, some of that's coming back. Read closely. It's definitely a. Um, you'll see some subversive art. You'll see a lot of just beautiful handcrafted items. Um, there's literally something for everyone. Well, well, so how do you guys go about curating so the kind of artisans that are there? They put an all call out. Um, they get somewhere between 400 and 500 applications each year. Okay. Um, and it's kind of, if you were in a sorority or fraternity, it's, it sort of feels like that. They, there's a jury of peers that go in, um, and you have like Rush they, Week and they put, they put the applications on the wall and they, they kind of discuss, um, through photos and, and talking and they, they basically, um, go through each and every application mm-hmm. and they they rank them and and, and judge. Well, okay. and, we wanted to talk to Mariko about it. And I then just you can tell us because you brought in so much stuff. Yeah. Well, we so should we'll say it's the weekend of October 1st and 2nd at yes. Union Market. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. And as an artist, like when you get in, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> like you're like, oh, my God, you got in also that kind of thing. So. Stay on that microphone, young lady. 
Right, Sorry, there yeah. you go. There we go. She's so shy. <laughs> there you go. All well, right, tell so... Us, Mariko, tell us a little bit about the kind of art that you do. Sure. So I uh, design and make letterpress greeting cards that mm-hmm. are modern and minimal, but kind of have a punch to them with the different sayings that are on them. And so um, they're not um, kind of like what Mel was saying. It's not your average card or it's not your average product. Well, we have some here, and they're very yeah, they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And the people who had dinner at our house should go out and buy them yeah. and send them. I brought them. some, so exactly. I was thinking, Foodie and the Beast, I should bring cards that have to do with food. So yeah, this is crafty bastards. Don't be cheap bastards. Go get these cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So tell us a little bit about your process and what you do. Sure. So well, I write all the copies. So a lot of times people ask me, like, oh, where do you find a all these things. So I, I feel like I have a good sense of humor. So mm-hmm. they're very funny. And then um, I order plates. I print them over. Um, I, I actually have a press over in Mount Rainier, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And um, they the paper pretty much gets smushed. And that's where you get the impression. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the process. Yeah, because is it embossed and debossed? Is right. that how you do it's, it? Uh, that People use embossed, debossed. Blind impression is also another way to describe. It's kind of um, when you don't use ink, um, it's it looks like a blank impression. Right. Yeah. It's very so, pretty. will you ever get into making your own paper too? Oh my gosh. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I feel like you know. Bad question. I gotta. I gotta. Um, but you don't just do. So tell us about the um, context of some of your other cards because you have a. I mean, sure. How many different ones do you? Right. Make? I have all all occasions. Um, birthday. Um, sympathy actually surprisingly is really good. It's really hard to get a good sympathy card. So I had it's a lot true. of people. All yeah. And yeah. So um, I get a lot of people who kind of stock up on sympathy cards, which and is, is bittersweet, right? <laughs> no, but is each card an original, or do you make multiples of each card? I make multiples of each card. Okay. Yeah. So can you buy them in packs, or you can only buy them individually? So I ha- I have them individually, and a select few I have them in packs of six, kind of like a box. Set. Okay, because it's a great hostess gift. Yes, it's definitely. Do we buy them from you, or are you in retailers now? I am in retailers. I'm um, in a few places in D.C. Uh, you know, do you know the Mulebone Restaurant? Because mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about food. Um, so they have a sh- shop in the front, curated oh. by Nomad Yard, mm-hmm. and so I have my cards there. That's, That's great. Terrific. That's kind of where I direct people. Well, before we things. get away from you, and we'll come back and, and chat more, but give your website out so that people know how to find sure, you. Sure, it's www.meekspress.com. It's M-I-K-S. P-R-E-S-S dot com. There you go, because we're all capitalists. Now, so Mel, so for the curation process, Mm -hmm. so how many people did they pick? Um, 150 vendors Uh will be on site uh, the weekend of October 1st and 2nd. Mm -hmm. Um, Some vendors are one-day vendors, so some will be there on Saturday, some will be there on Sunday, and then some have a two-day like Marika. And it's at Union Market, so it's in the... It's on the parking lot. There, it's in the parking you lot. You can't miss it. It's right. four huge circus tents. It's that only they put six up. bucks to get in, right? It's six dollars to great. get in or ten dollars for a weekend pass so mm-hmm. that you don't miss those one day vendors. Um, and there's everything and we'll have food trucks out there. Great Lakes Brewing has a beer tent out there so cool. you can get a little so, happy. Okay, wait, and, wait, wait, and wait. shop. Okay. Well, the one-day vendors, like you've got mm-hmm. people who are swapping out. Yeah, oh, so they cool. share a booth. Um, somebody will come in on Saturday, and then the, they break right. down. We're going to find out more about more of the vendors. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. We're early for the break. No. Are right, we, we Andrew? We have, a couple, we have another minute. Do we have another minute? No, he, he says, says no. no. He says no. He's All right. the boss. Okay, this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a second.
Did you know babies receive vaccinations that protect them from 14 diseases before they're even two years old? Adults, ask your health care provider about your vaccination needs and record. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says older adults need vaccinations to prevent flu, pneumonia, Tdap, hepatitis B, and shingles. Tdap, a combination of vaccine of tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, should be given to pregnant women during the third trimester to protect babies from whooping cough. Learn more at cdc.gov vaccines. This is John Gilroy. My show, Federal Tech Talk, answers the question, how does technology make life easier for the federal audience? I've spent years interviewing federal CIOs, tech leaders, and big company CTOs. What they tell me is compelling, provocative, and always relevant to the federal government and contractor. Check it out Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 1 on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, or download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Federal Tech Talk. Turn your eyes to the sky on October 7th to witness the historic Potomac flight. At approximately 12.30 p.m., T-6 Texans and a B-25 Mitchell bomber will soar in formation down the Potomac River, over Arlington National Cemetery, and over the Pentagon. The flyover will be in honor of disabled American veterans and is a fitting tribute to the service and sacrifices that veterans have made for our freedom. The Potomac flight will culminate with the 16th annual Culpeper Airfest Air Show on Saturday, October 8th. Check CulpeperAirfest.com for more information. This is Roger Waldron, president of the Coalition for Government Procurement and host of Off the Shelf. My show brings a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Each week, I talk to experts from inside and outside government about the latest federal compliance and policy information for government contractors. Join me every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 11 a.m. for Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio 1500 a.m. or download it anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Off the Shelf. You're not going to believe this, but we are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking about craft, the 13th annual Crafty Bastards coming lucky. up October 1st and 2nd. Yeah, Lucky 13. Is it 13th or 14th? No, it's the 13th one. It's That's lucky. what I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are I you said, jumping on my... No, I man? said Lucky 13. Okay. Uh, <laughs> at Union Market, it's only 6 bucks to get in or 10 bucks for the whole weekend, and it's over 400 vendors, right? 150. 400 applied, 150 right. get in. Oh, oh, sorry. All right. Which means that you're going to find 150 really great things because we were very selective. But how many each day? 150 each 150. day. 150. So it's more than 150 because some uh, yeah, are in on one day yeah. and out on another. All right, you'll find vendors like Mariko and, mm-hmm. and But tell us doing... about some of the other vendors. So some of the others, um, we have some beautiful, if you're looking for a great purse for um, the holidays, um, we have... Everyone from Printed Wild and Stitch a Rivet from here mm-hmm. to um, a beautiful leather um, goods place out of Brooklyn called Fritz and Fraulein. It's national, right? It's national. We over. even have a vendor coming in from London. Okay, so international. Um, so I uh, know. Um, we have. Because I think this, some people think it's. No, lo- it's not. It's, it's not, not just the made in DC thing. This is we have people from. Not that there's anything wrong no, with it. No, absolutely <laughs> not. We have a lot of great craftsers, and we do have a lot of DC and. Um, Virginia and Maryland um, crafty right, bastards. What's the website? We need to know. Um, it's Washington City Paper. I'm not a master. It's Washington City Paper dot and backslash crafty bastards, or you can go to www.craftybastards.com and that will push you to the page. About the different vendors that are I'm not wrapping okay. you up, like but if I'm listening and I'm sitting there right now, a lot of people listen on their computers. You want to go find out. Okay. Um, we have a tea maker from um, from San Francisco that we brought in, and it's called Tea. Meth? It's called Tea Wee. Oh, tea And they have a, they have a beautiful floral tea called meh, 
and they have they have some really weird names. Why is it called um, Meh? I don't know. It's that's it. Madame Morocco, Betty Basic, and, Presti- and Precious Angel Kitten. Okay, can you talk about these? the beautiful gold? Um, and then brought? there is a gorgeous jeweler here. Um, out of they, she actually has a studio she at fifty two O. Her jewelry and she is gorgeous. Um, it's oh, called oh, Mint Lola. Mm-hmm. She. If you're getting married soon and you're looking for beautiful headpieces, um, she does some gorgeous things. Um, one of I'm gonna them, put up the picture. It's so one pretty. of them is a kind of a leather band. I don't, I mean, like a feathered band. It, Greek yeah, goddess, like, like, right? Like, it's a Greek um, goddess. It's gorgeous. Like Caesar. Do, do yeah. people at the show? Because every now and then, you know, like we have a friend who's a jewelry maker, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they'll actually be working at the show and also selling. Do you have people that are some making are. things and? Some are definitely on site making things. Others it's pretty are pretty crowded. I mean, they're pretty busy, you know, like there's yeah. so many people. Right. Um, it's not like you come with your yeah, press you can't, and like, turn relax. them out. <laughs> no, we get about 20,000 people over the course of two days. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a large, large, amazing event. So, Marika, you were there last year? I was there last year. That was my first year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I was just so amazed and surprised. So when Mel was saying it's two days, like there's some people the first day where all their shelves are like, Gone. Yeah, so they're like gonna go home and make a lot more stuff. For it's just like a friend day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. or like just buying. Yeah, pretty much. Well, the good thing is, plus for food, you just walk across to Union Market right. and Rappahannock there, and all mm-hmm. those other restaurants are there. Yep, that's a good spot. Edens has been a great partner to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some pretty amazing sponsors and partners um, that help make this thing go. All which right. is awesome. Go to Crafty Bastards yep. October 1st and 2nd out at Union Market mm-hmm. and have fun. And on the 2nd, do it after Foodie and the Beast yes. or live yes. on your way over. Don't be insensitive to it's us. It's from 10 to 5 every in both days, so okay, great. you have tons so of You time. can take a break. All right, Jonathan, back to you. What so, do we have left to taste? What's over there? Um, so the last one you just tasted was a all DC Negroni. Mm-hmm. So it's using all DC products, including our Cinque Aperitivo. So it's going to be a little more mild than the first Why Aperitivo. Why is it Cinque Aperitivo? Five what? Uh, five pertains to the main ingredients. Also, a little note, it's Francesco's favorite number. So <laughs> it works out. Um, and then the last one. Oh, and then within that Negroni, too, we have Capitoline Vermouth, which is produced by um, Kat from Eto, the beverage director there. Yeah. And then um, one of the many D.C. gins. So, you know, there's lots of gin being produced in the city. Mm-hmm. So. Talk about the process. I think, uh, you know, if you talk about a, a, a liqueur that, mm-hmm. it, that most people know, they think of limoncello or something right. like that. How are they made? I mean, what actually happens back so, in the for us, we start all of our products, we do 12 products total, um, and every single one starts with a neutral grain spirit. So that really is just a high, high, high proof vodka. So it comes to us at 190 proof. Um, and then from there, we are, for the aperitivos and the amaros, we're creating spice packs. Um, so different herbs, different spices, different roots and bark. Is this the traditional way of making it? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's always been done this way. So you're taking a neutral grain spirit and you're infusing it. Um, so those herbs and spices will sit in the alcohol, um, or in the case of limoncello, fresh lemon peels. In the case of the mandarin, fresh you know orange peels, fennel, mm-hmm. just straight fennel. Um, and you let it sit in the alcohol. And the higher proof alcohol you have, you know, the faster the process is going to be, um, and the cleaner the extraction. So that's going to bring out all of those natural flavors and color. But back a hundred years ago, when they were making limoncello in wherever Perugia, mm-hmm. they would get. Vodka? Mm-hmm. They would, uh, make, they vodka? would make it. Yep, they would make exactly. It. They would make it from grain. Or grain alcohol, yep. right? Yeah. Exactly. And then you, they would infuse it. So you let it sit, you know, for anywhere from seven to fourteen days. Uh, and then 
we set that aside after we pull out the material. And this is a really important process. You want gravity to pull the sediments and the particles from the liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's taking its time. And then when that process how, is finished. How long does that take? Um, it can take anywhere from, you know, two weeks to a month really, depending upon the product. You know, the Amaros and the Aperitivos, because they are made of different herbs and spices, they have a lot more um, stuff kind of grainy, right. exactly. So uh, really, you know, at the bottom of the filtration tank, you're getting just a sludge, and then everything above um, is nice and clear, so we'll skim off the top, uh, and then we cut that with simple syrup, essentially. Hmm. So we're, but before we do that, we're testing the alcohol to see what percentage it's at and what the temperature is, because... That's going to determine how much sugar and how much water we need to get it to the commercial grade that we sell it at. So Yeah, because I was going to ask, is consistency difficult? Um, not when you have a palate like Francesco's. Okay. Um, you know, he is definitely keeping up on every step of the way. So when you break it down, it's, you know, three simple steps. It's just all the details in between those steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, consistency will change amongst color because if you're getting winter oranges versus summer oranges... Right. You're going to get a different color, but the flavor will always be the same. Um, and that's, you know, that's the most important part. All right, I got a question for you yeah. since Megan and Catherine are still here. I was just going to ask the same question. What are you doing with all this stuff afterwards? You yeah. popcorning them? So, you that sludge, are you, boy? Yeah, no. I wanted to touch on that, too. Um, now, since we have a couple more employees, we are able to focus more on sustainable practices. Mm-hmm. So we're taking that the spent herbs and, and spices um, that the actual uh, the alcohol is actually helping break down already. And we're distributing that and giving it to farmers to return to the soil. Um, and then also you just for, got two nods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for our, our juices, um, because we're using about four to 500 pounds of fruit for our limoncello and our mandarin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't use the juice, only the peels. So we actually juice all the fruit. And then we will take that juice and distribute it to bars and restaurants in D.C., uh, that support us because we don't have a purpose for it, but we're not going to throw it away. That's um, amazing. So, yeah, El Centro is probably our biggest customer for that. And we just give it away. I walk into these places with, you know, five gallon water jugs of juice and they're like, OK, how much is it? And I'm just like, no, just take it. Um, we're not selling it. It's just it's better for us to to give it to you guys. And it's good for you because mm-hmm. you need it. Um, so and that's one thing we're focusing on, too. We're coming. We're running into some hurdles, though. Like with our walnut, because things don't grow around walnut trees because of the high acid levels in walnuts. So we're still working with um, a gentleman, actually, who came into our distillery uh, as a customer, and he um, runs a compost company. So we're trying to figure out, you know, different avenues for things such as that. Um, But sustainable practices are very important to us as well. All right. Well, let's give everybody – you can go to Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com, to find Don Ciccio's thing because it's it's D-O-N-C-I-C-C-I-O-E-F-I-G-L-I.com. Yep, exactly. Don Ciccio Efigli. And if you don't know how to spell it, get in touch with me. I'll tell you how to spell it. But it's great stuff. Okay, say hi to Francesco for us. I certainly will. All right. So now I'm going to lead us into a discussion of – the D.C. Chef's Cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki is Celebrity Cruise's D.C. brand ambassador. She put together, they said, we want to do a cruise with great chefs. We want to go to the Caribbean. Uh, who can you hook us up with and what are we going to do? And now you can tell them what you did. Okay, so we have a fantastic cruise coming up. Uh, it's January 28th. And so it's right after the inauguration. So once you knock that insanity out, everybody's going to go away. And uh, we're going from Miami to Cozumel and Jamaica and 
Hispaniola and Grand Cayman. Yeah. Uh, and with us is going to be Mike Isabella. We've only dropped his name a thousand times today. Uh, as goes Mike. Um, Marjorie Meeks Bradley. And if you haven't been to her new smoked and stacked yet, you are certainly missing some amazing pastrami. David Guas. I know, right? Like you can't eat that way. Uh, David Guas. Some of it is. I- uh, from Bayou Bakery uh, is also joining us. And lastly, Derek Brown is on board. Uh, he'll be mixing up cocktails. So we're really going to have a lot of fun on this trip. It's not over-programmed. It's really just a couple of demos and lunches and uh, a great escape. Um, uh, Cozumel, we're going to take a boat trip. And the guys are all going to, um, and Marjorie, are all going to put a great big barbecue up on a private beach. And Derek's going to be mixing up cocktails. And we've been on this boat before, or ship, excuse me. It's called the Reflection. And it's massive. It's a city on the ocean, but it's gorgeous. The rooms are beautiful. Every room gets a veranda. Um, and it's really going to be a high-end trip. Um, all your uh, beverages are included. That includes fancy schmancy cocktails. And um, you can dine in any of the 13 restaurants that are on board. And we've had the pleasure of being on board already. And some of these restaurants are really good. And, of course, the fun of it is it's going to be a great group, and we all get to hang out together well, and have fun. Plus, we've private dining, and we're going to have uh, cooking classes. Mm-hmm. And, but Demos, just, I mean, imagine I the fun of hanging at the pool with Mike Isabella and okay, the show's David Guasantone. It's not over okay. yet. Yeah, so, is. anyways, go to DC Chefs, plural, cruise. Dot com about we're only taking a uh, hundred people it's it's uh, fifty staterooms and okay, we're close to half sold so okay get all right there. thank you all for joining us today find out more about food waste crafty bastards and have a good week.